we want to talk about the word grace. And I hope maybe to expand your concept or understanding of what grace is. So if I, if I said grace to you and I said, okay, give me a word back in replace of grace, what would you say? What are some of the words you'd come up with? Hmm? Unmerited favor, all right. Compassion. For me, the first time I heard grace was being asked to pray. You going to say grace? Now, that's, that might be Eastern North Carolina. I don't know. But that's how we sort of grew up. It was my, I remember my grandmother saying, who's going to say grace today? Um, but it's, it's so much more, I think, than at least it has come to me the last few years than what we just keep it as. As unmerited favor, yes. As forgiveness, yes. As mercy, compassion. All those things are part of what grace is. But if we aren't careful, we miss out on all that grace is. Because grace is not only the salvation act of God when we get his forgiveness, when we receive his mercy, but it's basically how God then works in us every single day from there on. Everything we do is from grace. Um, if you think about it, if you limit grace to being the salvation act of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that comes with that or the mercy that comes with that, then where does the Holy Spirit play a role? And if this is a major attribute of who God is, wouldn't there be a role for the Holy Spirit to work in the midst of that? And tonight I want us to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that, that help us understand what Paul wanted the people that he was talking to to understand about grace. And it expanded, when I really got this, it, it really expanded my understanding of the word grace and the power of God in our everyday life. Because when you think of the word grace and you put it with salvation or forgiveness, that's powerful. You're taking what is dead and making it alive. Not by what we do, but what God does in us. But I want us to see tonight, hopefully, and maybe you already know this, that that grace is also what is active in us today. It is what allows us through God's Spirit to do what we do. It's that same grace. So let's look at it. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, if you remember, when, when Paul wrote what we call 2 Corinthians, the church had fallen out of favor with Paul. Um, there were a lot of groups that had a lot of animosity, evidently, to Paul for this reason or another. And we're not real clear on everything, but there have been some people that had thrown them off of their understanding of, of what God was all about and working in their lives. And Paul was trying to set them straight. And he says this, as he sort of starts out the letter, he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 12, he says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in relations with you in holiness and sincerity that are from God that we have uh, that we have done so not according to the worldly wisdom but according to God's grace in other words their actions are based on God's grace that's working in them they don't act as the world does 
they're acting as God is directing them through his grace. If you remember uh, what Keith said this morning about the, those new believers praying when persecution seemed to be coming on them. And I like what he said. He says, what would we pray for? And he used the word protection from that persecution. But it's not what they prayed for. They prayed that they would be with great boldness speaking the word of God. Well, that's the grace of God enabling them to look at the world from that point of view. So each day we have the opportunity for the grace of God to continue to work in how we conduct ourselves in this world. It's available to us. Just as that salvation event is available to anyone who wants to believe in Jesus Christ, that grace event still works today in our lives. And in Romans 12, another place where Paul uses this understanding of grace, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So what your gifting is, is based again on God's grace. It's what he's given you to live in this world. To walk every day in this world is through God's grace. And then he goes and he names the gifts, but the, the idea again is it's the grace given us that is the big thing. I'm going to give you a couple more passages that Paul talks about it. He says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's asking for God's grace to be in their lives every single day. That's his prayer for them. And that's just not compassion and mercy and forgiveness. That's God's action in us and how we do things for him. And think the best way he says it, for my point, is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So grace isn't something we just receive. It's also something that God uses to give, for us to give in everyday life. It is the Holy Spirit's role in our everyday life. If you think about when Jesus talked in John, he talked in 14, chapter 14, 15, 16, and in 16, he says, it's good that I go, that I leave you. Why? He says, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And instead of God being represented on earth in one person, one place, he's all over. And that grace that powerful grace, the grace that brings salvation, is also the power of God's grace in your everyday life. And as Baptists, I know we have a tendency, I still have a tendency to look at grace and say, well, it's, it's once you become a Christian, yes, I've checked it off. But you have the ability to have that powerful grace continuing to work in our lives each and every day. It's there. Um... You know, that power that is available in each moment of each day is something that isn't just new even from this side of the cross. But even in the Old Testament, 
you get people who get an understanding of God's power in their life to live the everyday. And I want to look at one psalm where the writer has a traumatic moment in his life where he's just crying out for God. God, help me. He feels like his life is over. And boom, God comes in, there is a salvation event. But that's not the end of it for him. Nor should it be for us. Let's look at it. This is in Psalm 116. And this is how he starts out. It's sort of his, hey, this is why I'm writing the psalm. I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. You know, to become a Christian, you have to get to the point where you realize you can't do it. That unmerited favor that somebody said, I, I can't earn it. You have to get to the point where you cry out saying, God saved me because I can't do it myself. And that's clearly where he is here. And boy, don't we try to save ourselves. But he finally gets to the point where he says, I can't do it myself. And he cries out to God and he says, the Lord is gracious and righteous and our God is full of compassion. Those are some of the words we were using. He understands who God is now. Because God came in and intervened in his life when everything was wrong. And he made it right. That's before Jesus ever stepped on the scene. So people were already understanding how God worked even then. He was there. You could see it. And the response that he says is important too. But before he gets to that response, he, he repeats himself. He, because this is a traumatic event in his life. It, it's, it's then not only the trauma of the moment, but it's then what he finds in the grace of the moment and how it then shapes his life. He says, the Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. So he's repeating himself. Why? Because this is major, folks. Just like if you're with other people, other believers, you're going to talk about that experience of how God saved you because it was important to you and still is important to you. And he says, be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Now that rest that he's talking about isn't, oh, I can relax. It's I'm at peace. Even though strife may be around me, I'm at peace because God's there. And he says, once again, For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And then comes the phrase I want us to look at for a moment. God, you delivered me. But why? Why did he deliver? And that's the focus of grace in the everyday life to me. When he says, why did he deliver him? That I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. That I can walk before God in the land of the living. 
I was facing death, but now I have life. And now I can walk with God. Where are some places that people walk with God? Remember Adam and Eve? How did God find, well, God already knew, but how did God tell Adam and Eve that they had sinned? He'd gone to go walk in the garden. I don't think God was going to walk by himself, folks. He was walking with Adam and Eve. That's the relationship that was intended. But yet, that was broken through sin. You get other times where it talks about the Bible with Enoch. It talks about he walked with God and that type of thing, which means that relationship was strong, was bound tight. And then finally, in, in, in Revelation, in Revelation, I think it's 21, 24, it talks about one day we will all walk in the glory of who God is once again. Once again, We'll walk with God. But here, the psalmist realizes he can still walk with God today. It's not just something that's going to be in the future. It's something that's available to him now. And I'll tell you, that's by the grace of God. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody who has some dramatic rescue happen from a total stranger and the news will want to get the two people together again you know how they always want to and hey don't you want to say thank you to this person and so forth and so on but it was a one-time event and while that person may be gracious the rest of their life for that person saving them out of a flood or whatever it was they're not then spending the rest of their life walking behind the person what can I do for you what can I do for you They go on. But grace is different than that. Grace says, I am going to keep walking after you, thanking you for what you've done in my life and allowing you to come in and use me the way you want to. That's grace. And as he says, I want to walk before the Lord in the land of the living. God still is there ready for us to walk with him today through his grace, through what he gives us. As Paul says, I've been given this grace to do this. Well, we've been given a grace to do what we're called to do as well. You know, you see grace events all the time. Moments where you clearly see God's grace at work in a moment, in a place. Sometimes there are big places, big noise, a lot of things happening, like when worship's really going well and you just experience the grace of God as you do things together with people. It can be major things like going on a mission trip and you see God's work and you're just amazed by what God can do. But grace is also in the small things of life that no one else really sees but are still there. To me, one of the greatest moments of God's grace that I ever experienced as a person was in a room with about four other people. And I saw a mother and her adult child interacting in a moment of crisis. 
the mom had developed cancer and she was in her late 80s and had gotten to the point where she couldn't get out of bed and she got weaker and weaker. Well, her daughter brought her into her home for her to die there because she wanted her there. And I remember being called that night saying she's getting ready to die. And I remember going over. And then I remember this 60-year-old-plus woman crawling up into the hospice bed of her mother and curling up beside her like she was a three-year-old curling up to her mom when she was young and just holding her. No words. The 60-year-old Mary was her name, cared nothing about what anybody else thought. She was just focusing on what can I do to show the grace of God to my mom at this moment. Now, she wasn't doing that to show, well, how can I show Brad grace? But I saw grace that day. And it gave me a new compassion for people in those moments. God's grace is available to be taught and learned with each one of us. If we'll look for those moments. It's a powerful tool that God has given us. It's who we're called to be as we live each day. You know, it's, it's a precious thing. And what's so unique about God's grace is it's so precious and yet it's so available. You know, think about uh, different paintings, the Mona Lisa that hangs in the Louvre in Paris. You know, we went there, and I was so disappointed when I saw the painting. I'm sorry. I was. I was thinking it was going to be this big thing. You know, it was about this size. But it was there, and there's a lot of security around it. And a lot of people want to see it. But folks, they're not going to let you go up to it and touch it, are they? They aren't going to let you go up and take it off the wall and look at it closer, are they? Because it's precious. But what has God done with the most precious thing in life? But allowed us not only to touch it, not only to experience it, but even to take shots at it, quite frankly. To be cruel to him. That's the power of God's grace. It's so precious, and yet it's so available. And we need to realize that, how powerful it is, and how God wants it to be available even to the worst of us. You know, if, if you were to have the Hope Diamond in a, in a case and and you heard that, uh, they heard that there was some great thief coming to go look at it, you think they would let him? Of course not. Oh, come on, let me hold it. They went about to let a thief hold it. But what has God done with his grace? But let us, the thief, hold it. And say, it's yours. That's powerful. Do we understand God's grace? 
It's not just a moment in time when we have salvation. Yes, it's that. But it's also what we live in today and how God empowers us today. You know, I want us to, to conclude by, by thinking about one of my favorite hobbies, and, and I think I talked about this last time in terms of hiking. I try not to talk hiking every time I talk to you, but I love hiking, okay? And the picture that you're seeing is, is a picture of uh, Looking Glass Mountain in the fall. And that picture will never do it justice, as you know. The picture will never do justice to what you do. But Looking Glass Mountain is an interesting hike because it's a hard hike. And as you hike it, it will take you, if you're in good shape, it'll take you two hours. If you're in bad shape, don't do it because <laughs> you won't get there. But in the midst of it, as you go those two hours or three hours or four hours, however long it takes you, there's nothing to look at in terms of views, beautiful views. You're just in the woods, and so my focus when I go to Looking Glass Mountain was I've got to get to my destination because to me this is the most beautiful view I've found at the Blue Ridge Parkway is Looking Glass Mountain. And so I'm going to take my two and a half hours. I'm not quite good enough to do it in two, but I can do it in two and a half. And I can get there, and that's my goal is to get there. And I'm going as fast as I can, all these switchback trails, to get there because I'm in the middle of the woods. And I think sometimes as Christians, we look at grace as getting to a destination. Yes, that's the reason why we go hiking. That's the reason why we have a relationship with God is his grace. But part of God's grace is the journey of getting there. And it's not pretty a lot of times. And it is in the woods. And you don't know exactly what's going on. And you're wondering if you're going to make it. But if you look, you'll see God's grace along the trail. I will never forget one time looking up and seeing Peregrine Falk above my head. I'll never forget the time, it wasn't on this trail, but I looked in front of me from me to this bench right here and I saw a bear as I was just walking. If you look, you might see something. A bear is not, you're not going to miss. But there are other things on the trail that you will miss if you're in a hurry to get to your destination. All along that trail to Looking Glass Mountain, depending on what time of year you go, if you go in the spring, you will see these little teeny tiny flowers. And I have never seen anything more gorgeous than these purple flowers that have four petals going out and in the midst of them, they're, they're purple and then in the midst of them is a yellow streak that is just beautiful. But they're at best this big. And you will only find them in the decay of the leaves around them. But they're there if you look. Folks, do we look for God's grace as we walk the trail of life? Or are we too busy to get getting to our destination that we forget that part of our destination is 
the hike to get there. The reason why I want to talk about grace this way for, for you is, is for us to realize that that same power that, that allows us forgiveness through the cross, that unmerited favor, that compassion, that mercy, is the same power that is at work in the grace of God through his spirit in your everyday life. It's why, as Keith said this morning, those early Christians could say, Father, help us to preach you with great boldness and not just look for protection. Grace. Hopefully, maybe I've expanded your vocabulary a little bit in terms of what it means. But more important than that is hopefully you and I will live it, look for it, ask for it, as we walk through the trails of this life. Knowing that it's there, it's available. As we walk in the land of the living. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you that we can know and trust that you are our God. And that you have given us what we can never give ourselves. You've given us, as the psalmist here talks about, that that freeing from the moment of where everything encloses around us and we feel hopeless. And we realize that you are the only hope. And I thank you for that salvation in that moment, for the grace that is shown there. But God, as we live each day, I pray that we will also see your grace anew that day. That we will see that that grace, that power that brought Jesus alive from, the, from, from death, that brings us alive from death, is also the power that's available, as Paul said, to live your everyday life, to interact with this world. Forgive us for when we try to keep doing it ourselves. When we try to do it from the world's point of view, but doing it ourselves, fixing it ourselves, and not relying on you and your empowerment of us as we work together to proclaim your name, to proclaim your grace. Thank you for giving us that grace and the ability to live in it each and every day. May we value it, and may we use it to your honor and your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen.